Welcome to the My Big Church podcast. On this podcast, you will hear a message of hope and inspiration from one of our pastors. We hope you enjoy the message. This is the Big Church podcast. Normally, I don't really start out this way, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray over this message because I really believe that God wants to do something in this place this morning. And I don't know how it's going to be delivered. I don't know what's going to happen, but I'm just going to trust God that he's going to have it come out of my mouth the way that he wants it to come out this morning. Father, I just stand before you and I give myself to you. I don't, I have notes, but God help me to keep my mind and my heart pure where you want me to go. Father, I just ask right now that we would lean in to what has to be said this morning and, what, and the things that are talking about our own lives, God, that you would give us the power and the strength, God, to know that it is not you, it is not us that can fight all of our battles, but it's you that can fight our battles for us if we allow you to. So, Father, I just ask you to use me this morning. Let ears be attentive and hearts be open to what you have to say in Jesus' name. Amen. Here we go again. This is what we normally always do. This time of year is we do take back the city. And uh, if you saw last week, uh, the refuge uh, did it, and we had it all, uh, the stage designs, we had it all fixed up. But, um, you know, we even a few years ago, we got a bunch of T-shirts that said take back the city. And, and, and we had a lot of inspiring sermons and messages and just talking about what God wanted to do. But I personally believe that we don't need another slogan. We don't need another series. We don't need another good idea. We just need God. Yeah. I, think, I think so many times we lean on our own understanding and we try to manufacture something and we try to make something that's really not what God wants it to be. But I want this to not only be a message, I want this to be a movement. I want this to be something that we take not just one time a year, that we take it and we apply it in our, in our lives daily. Because listen, we got a world out there that's lost and dying right now that needs a message of hope from us. Why isn't God, we ask the question, why isn't God moving in America the way that we want him to? Why is it in other countries they're lining up and they're walking for, well... Why isn't God moving in, 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 in America like he is in other countries? Let me tell you why. They line up and they walk for miles and for miles and for miles to hear the gospel that you're hearing for this morning. For it, they pay the price by doing that. They get up and they fear for their lives to go. We, we live in such a culture we don't understand that what you get to do in this place is free. What you get to experience right now coming in here on a Sunday morning or any day of the week is free. It costs you really nothing as far as your physical, but it costs you everything in the spiritual. The gospel is exploding in other countries right now. If you'll read stories, the fastest rising churches are in China and Iran. I, I reiterated this. Uh, I mean, I talked about this a couple weeks ago. But man, you know why? Because hunger and desperation always gets God's attention. The Bible said, if you're hungry and you thirst for righteousness, I'm going to hear for what you got to say. and I'm going to give you and I'm going to fill you with what you need. I think a lot of times we're sitting and we may not even understand this. Maybe a lot of y'all are new to church, but we're waiting on a move of God. But I'll say you this much that God is waiting on a move of us. I'm going to say that again. We're waiting on a move of God, but God is sitting patiently going, I can't wait 
till they start doing this. I can't wait till they start moving in the place that I'm asking to do. I really want to do this, but my hands are kind of tied right now. We've sat on the sidelines too long. We as a church have sat on the sidelines too long. The voices of culture and the voices of everything else right there are screaming and we're sitting back saying, "Uh, we don't want to mess with this or we don't want to go there. I'm going to tell you something this morning. We got to quit being a spectator and we got to get into the game. Let me tell you why. Because Rich Wilkerson did such a great job at the VU Contras. And what he said was this. He said, no one else is coming. No one else is coming. You don't understand that, do you? No one else is coming for your family. No one else is coming to change culture. No one else is coming. And you know who's coming? Us sitting in this place right now. God is raising up an army in these last days to go out and say, we, don't, we can't worry about who's going to be in the background anymore. We've got to come to the place of knowing that no one else is coming. You're on the front lines, and you may be the only prayer that your family has. You may be the only person in your office that can reach somebody's life out there. No one else is coming but you. So where do we start, Pastor Rich? What are we going to do about it? How are we going to do this? Should we get a strategy, and should we come up with a, a good plan and... Let me just take you here, and I want you to lean into what i got to say, because some of this may not be easy. Usually I'm laughing and joking, and sometimes I'm funny, sometimes I'm not. But 2 Chronicles 7.14, this is where we start. The Bible says, if my people, say if, if, and remember that. Say, my people are called by my name, and they will humble themselves. There's a word right there that we need to get to a posture of. And pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive them of their sin and I will heal their land. When he says that, he says, my people. He's not talking to the world. He's not talking to someone out there that doesn't know the gospel that you have been so freely given a chance to know. He's talking about to the people that are in here, his people. He said, if you'll humble yourself, Matthew 23, 12 says this, says, whoever exalts himself will be humbled and he who humbles himself will be exalted. Here's what we got to understand. When you lower yourself, when you get yourself in this position and you're not always looking for the high road and the high step and, and the ladder to success, when you say, God, I am here right now. And I don't understand what's going on in my life, but Lord, I humble myself. Why do you think getting on your knees in prayer is so powerful? Because it shows that God, that man, I'm in a posture. God, you're there and I'm here and I need you. If we'll humble ourselves, Jesus took on the form of a servant. And when he came, do you know what? He washed his disciples' feet. And you say, what's that? What's the big deal about that? You've got to understand it's the worst job of anybody in that culture. It was the lowliest low of jobs of any slave in the house washed the feet of the people that came in there. It was dirty and it was nasty, but Jesus said, you know what? I came down to a dirty and a nasty world and I'm going to come here and if you'll come to me, I'll wash all of that junk off of you. I'll get rid of you. I'll make you as clean as I can. He says this. He says, if we'll pray and if we'll seek. Matthew 7, 7 says this. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, huh, and you will find. 
knock and it will be opened unto you. The problem is, is we don't ask and we don't seek and we don't knock and we repeat. We don't ask, we don't seek and we don't knock. We wonder why our families are a mess. We got to ask, we got to seek and we got to knock. We wonder why our nation is in the wear and sin right now and culture is winning because we're not asking and we're not seeking and we're not knocking. James 5.16 says this, the effective and the fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. You know what effective and fervent means? That means effective means that when we get in that posture and we start speaking to God, his ear, I'm not getting ahead of myself, but it avails much. What else he says there? He says, and they turn from their wicked ways. Sin, what is sin? Let me explain it to you. I don't have two hours to tell you about it. But I got a few minutes. James 4:17 says this. Therefore, listen to this. To him who knows to do good and does it not, it to him is sin. We want to prioritize sin. We want to say this sin is worse than this sin, and this sin is that, and, and we, you know, all of a sudden we're we're juggling our sins around, and well, I'm not that bad, and, and they're terrible. Sin is sin. And I'm going to talk about this in a few weeks a little bit. We all have a moral compass. We all know the sense of right and wrong. I spoke a few weeks ago about the Holy Spirit sitting here and he's telling you and he's been telling you, you got to end that relationship. You got to walk away from that thing I've been telling you to walk away from. You got to do the things that I've asked you to do. And yet, what do we do? The conviction comes upon us and we walk. We go the other direction. And we run away from what God wants us to do because you know why? Because it's uncomfortable, because that's all we've ever known. Listen to this. Just because you can't overcome it or you feel like you can't overcome it doesn't mean it's right. Woo! Man, some crickets in this place this morning. When I was, when I was going over this thing, I got convicted to the heart. Just because you give in to it, that doesn't make it right. Just because you ignore it and you harden your heart, it still does not make it right. The Word of God is the Word of God. Romans 6.15 says this, What then? Shall we sin because we are under law but grace? That's a whole nother message right there. Certainly not. We have lived, I've lived in church my whole life. And I was raised in a culture of church where you can never be good enough. You can never bring yourself to God because there was always something that kept me on the back burner because I never felt like I could approach the throne of God with grace. And it was all, it was hard because I felt like I was always messed up, always going to be messed up, and there was going to be no change. But what we've shifted to, help me Jesus, is we've shifted to a whole other gospel Ooh. Wow. that says pretty much God's grace is going to cover it. Wow. Is that the truth? In some cases, absolutely that's the truth. <laughs> but when we come into a place where our mindset is upon doing something that's outside of what God wants us to do, we have to start thinking about we can't abuse the grace that God gave us. And sometimes when God is speaking to us and he's trying to talk to us, we use grace as kind of our out thing. 
Well, God loves me. He does. God loves everyone in this room right here to the very end. And he'll love you. The Bible says, if, you're, if you make your bed in heaven, I'll be with you. If you make your bed in hell, I'll be with you. Sin has caused a sickness. And it's infected us. And as a church and as a people, it's left us powerless. But listen to this. It has some good news. Our actions determine God's movement. Let me, let me just show that to you. Let's look at 7 Chronicles 14 again and leave it up on the screen just for a moment. It says if. If is a conditional clause. But that's Old Testament, Pastor. Come on. If my people, which are called by my name, God's love is unconditional, but obedience is not optional. I'm going to say that again. God's love is unconditional. He's going to love you through all your mess. And aren't you glad? Thank you, Jesus. But when he starts speaking to your heart and he starts making it, starting to want to make a change in your life, the obedience that he's asking for is not an option anymore. It depends on the way that you want to go. But he says this, if we humble ourselves and if we pray and if we seek and if we turn and if we repent, he says, verse 14, leave it up. He says, then, then there's a condition to how he's going to hear you. Then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sins and your sins and heal their land. We have to be in the right position, listen to me, to hear what God is saying. He says, then I will hear. But a lot of times, we a lot of times when you want to hear something from someone, we have to be really close to know what they're trying to say to us. Let me just tell you something. The world is screaming right now, and God is whispering. The world is calling out for everything right now, and God is pulling with that still, small voice saying, come on. Come a little closer. Do you know why he wants you to be close to him? It's because when I'm trying to talk to someone, if I didn't have a microphone on, I could be talking back there. Ali, you couldn't hear nothing I was saying. But when I get a little closer to you and I say, hey, Ali, I love you. I care for you. I want you to go this way. I, I, I want you not to be this way because I love you. Your position determines how much you hear. If you're far... You're not going to hear that still small voice. You're not going to hear that voice that's calling you saying, I'm calling you to a little higher place. I'm moving you to a place you've never felt before. But right now we're listening to all of the clamor, all of the distractions, all of the things that's keeping us from our purpose. And we can't hear. God is still speaking in a world that's screaming. Where you are determines what you hear. If you're close, you're going to hear what God's heart is. I'm closing with this. There is a remedy to our situation. There is a remedy to this city being taken back. There's a remedy to this world, and it's called repentance. We don't really want to talk about that one because that's a hard one. The Bible says that we're we are to live, live in repentance. Pastor, what are you saying? I'm supposed to just be all the time. You live in a place where you know if you mess up, you say, God, I messed up. That was bad. I should not have gone that way. This is not where I'm going. You don't have to come to an altar on Sunday morning to get repentance. 
You don't have to come and, and do it in front of everybody. God says, come boldly to my throne of grace. But turning means not returning. Psalms says this. Psalms 24, 3 and 4. We're getting ready to take communion here in just a few minutes. We're going to have a time of reflection. We're going to have a time of just examining ourselves because that's what the Bible says before. Because this is, why, you know why we do this every three months instead of every Sunday or every, you know, every month? It's because this is a special thing. This is a special thing that we want to honor and commemorate God with, but also says, do not take this lightly. Psalms 24, 3 and 4 says this, Who may ascend the hill of the Lord? Or who will stand in his holy place? He who has clean hands and a pure heart. God does not want you to have it all together, but he wants you to be getting it together. I thought he always wanted me to have it all together. And every time I messed up, I was like, and then finally he started tapping me on the shoulder a little bit and saying, you know what? I know you don't got it all together, but I want you to be in the process of getting it together. Because let me tell you something. God does see your heart. And if you've been fighting with something, you've been battling with something, an addiction or anger or depression or something, God knows the, the, the cries that you have to him when those only you two are there. So if y'all would stand with me just a moment. I'm going to explain a little bit of how we're going to do this and what we're going to do. Communion is a time of remembrance. Jesus went to his disciples and he drew them around the table and he says, every time you do this, I want you to remember what I'm about to do. Here's the thing. <laughs> he hadn't done it yet. He had not went to the cross yet. He says, but when you do this, you do it in remembrance of me. When you come up here and you take the bread, you think about the body that was broken just for you. When you think about that he didn't have to do this, but he chose you. When you think about the blood that was shed, that blood that was shed was shed to cover all of our sins, past, present, and future. As we take this, I want us to take a few minutes. I want a time of reflection. Because I think that before we as a church and before us as an army of God and all that stuff, we have to take back ourselves. The enemy is trying to pull in every direction in your life right now. And you're going to say, God, okay, on Christ, the solid rock, I'll stand. All other ground is sinking sand. I'm going to stand right here, God, until you tell me what to do, how to do it, and where I'm needing to go. So just in this few minutes when they get ready to sing, I want us to all bow our heads. This is, this is a church-wide thing right here. And I want us to remember first how good God is. And you may be saying, Pastor, I, my life is crap right now. God's still good. You may be saying, Pastor, my, my life, I don't know what in the world is going on. God is still good. Because if you think about where you used to be, and where you are now, and where God has taken you, you got something to remember and thank Him for. So I'm going to ask us for a few minutes to do this. I'm going to ask us to examine ourselves. And all that means is search. The Bible says, search me, O God. Search me. 
And if he asks you to, to do something in this time of prayer while they're singing, I ask you just to close your eyes and say, God, I'm sorry. Maybe I haven't lived up to what you want me to be. And I, and I promise, God, I'm going to do the very best that I can. That's the thing we love about our God is he's that simple. But also, as we examine ourselves, we need an intervention. We need an intervention for our families. We need an intervention for our friends and our schools and our city and our world. The Bible says, I think she said, if we don't stand in the gap and make up the hedge and pray for people that are there, nobody's going to. Nobody else is coming to pray for your family. They're not coming. You can ask the pastors to pray, but if you don't seek God for your mom and your dad and your aunts and your uncles and those friends around you, no one else is going to take up that mantle but you. So I ask this morning, who would say, God, move in me? Move in me. We hope you enjoyed this message on the My Big Church podcast. We thank everyone who has given to support this ministry. To find out more about how to support financially or more about Big Church, you may visit our website, mybigchurch.com. If you live in the Louisville, Kentucky area and don't have a church home, we would love to have you as our guest at Big Church. We are located at 7209 Faganbush Lane in Louisville, and we have worship services at 945 and 1130 every Sunday. Thank you again for listening to the My Big Church podcast.